This is Psalms to God, Season 5, Episode 14, The Tower of Babel. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstoguide.com. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. Genesis chapter 11, verses 6 and 7, King James Version. Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree, and this season we've been talking about communication, crucial conversations, how difficult it is, how we mess it up, the nuances, the context, the connotations, all of these different things that play into being able to um, communicate effectively with other people. But the reason we struggle with this is not just because we're lazy or because we're dumb or because we're impatient etc etc it's because it's a curse of sorts this goes all the way back to genesis 11 and the tower of babel or the tower of babel depending on how you want to pronounce it so i wanted to take a minute to take it back to the bible and talk about where this comes from and how it's how it's manifesting today what it looked like then all of those you know things so when i first learned about the tower of babel i was probably like six you know i was really young um and they talk about the tower of babel in church all the time most people use this story to explain why for instance i'm doing this podcast in english because english is my language of origin um you may speak multiple languages but you may speak spanish you may speak french maybe you speak chinese maybe you speak hindi there's so many languages in our world and people come back to genesis 11 and they're like yeah god created different languages and he scattered the people around the world what people don't generally get into when they talk about genesis 11 are the differences within a particular language so because i'm an english speaker i'm going to talk about this from an English speaking perspective, but I am sure that this is also true. In fact, I know this is true for other languages because I've taken Spanish, I've taken Arabic, I was conversational in Arabic at one point. And I know for a fact that if you go to different Arab speaking countries, there are nuances and pronunciations and slang and stuff that will be different in this country or that country. And this is typically known as like a dialect. So as a person who grew up in the united states and who is an american citizen i speak what people would generally call american english so for instance if i say a napkin i mean like a square paper that you use to wipe your face while you're eating or wipe your hands after eating Uh, but if i was from england i would speak british english and if i said napkin i'd probably mean a diaper 
right? It's very, very different words, very, very different use cases. And that can cause a lot of converse, that can cause, you know, confusion within a discussion. Same thing if you talk about like a boot, right? Um, in England, you're probably talking about the trunk of a car. In America, we're probably talking about some cowboy boots <laughs> um, or the boot that they put on the car to make it where you can't drive off, um, you know, we have different words. Then you also have Australian English, which is also slightly different than British and American English. But even as an American or as a US citizen, there are nuances right here in the US. So I'm from the South, I'm from the deep South, I'm from South Carolina. So there are a lot of phrases and words that are said in my hometown that are not used up north. I know I did an internship in Maryland and my roommates were from New York and New Jersey um, and Iowa. And they used to look at me like I was insane all the time because I am Southern and they are not. Um, and even within being you know, Southern, uh, I am also black. So there are cultural differences in how I speak just as a black person. I have ancestry from the Gullah people. So even though my family doesn't speak Gullah, I found that there are certain words or phrases that have still managed to stay in the family. So there are just like these nuances that come with that. And of course I have friends who are actually Gullah who actually speak Gullah. And if you hear them speak, it definitely sounds different than what you would typically consider Southern US English or whatever. And, you know, one of the reasons I think people don't necessarily talk about this as much when they reference the Tower of Babel or just in general is because a lot of times, because we do speak the same language, there is, it's kind of, it's a little easier to navigate those differences. So for instance, if a person comes up to me and starts speaking French, I'm not gonna know what they're saying at all. And when they try to explain to me what they're saying, I'm still not gonna know what they're saying, right? Like, because I don't know any of these words, none of these words make sense. But if I'm talking to you and you're from wherever and I say, yeah, you know, back when I was knee high to a grasshopper, even though that you may look at me and be like, what? What are you saying, right? Like, I can still explain to you that knee high to a grasshopper basically means when I was small, when I was little, when I was young. And now you understand what that phrase means. It's easier to stop and communicate where that went wrong. Unfortunately though, a lot of times we don't actually do that because on top of this language barrier, we have pride, we have um, ego, but then we also have things where we don't know that we don't know what we're talking about. And so like in some cases, you have people who just look down on different dialects, they look down on different cultural or colloquialisms. Um, and so they don't bother to ask what they mean or try to understand it. They may even know what it means. They just look down on that particular way of speaking, the way, for instance, Southern accents have a tendency to make people sound dumb because people stereotype Southerners to be dumb. Or for instance, you know, I have to remind myself when I hear people with a British accent that it doesn't mean that they're snobby or, or uppity, right? We just have these connotations that we associate with dialects or accents that kind of shift how we think about things. And it's up to us to manage those uh, 
prejudices and those biases. And a lot of times we don't. Some, sometimes we don't know that we have them and sometimes we know we just let them run amok because it's hard. I have my boss, well, my boss's boss at my job now. He is from somewhere up north and I can't even tell you what kind of accent he has. I don't know if it's like a Boston accent or if it's like a Canadian accent but the way he pronounces his vowels is is very different than what I'm used to as a southerner and he was talking to us and every time he would say certain words I'd be like why is he pronouncing it like that and it was just like grating on my ears and I had to keep telling myself that's it's wherever he's from it's fine like it's not wrong it's just it's just off-putting to your ear because you're not used to that and I had to keep reminding myself. It wasn't like I told myself this once in an hour long meeting and I was good. I had to tell myself this several times. And a lot of times we don't take the effort or the time to continually check ourselves. And that's needed when we start having these, these differences. But beyond that, there are a lot of times, I mentioned this in the very first episode when I said, what is a Christian? There are a lot of times when we say words and the conversation flows as though we're using the, the, the same definitions, right? Words like Christian, feminism, um, right and wrong, uh, morals, morality, religion, um, even things like black culture, American culture, these are all subjective words and they mean different things to different people. They have different connotations based on your experiences, but people say them and they think that they're using the same definitions. Uh, one of <clears throat> low hanging fruit, one of my biggest pet peeves is how people use the word introvert. I was literally watching a movie the other day. Um, it's called A Fall From Grace. It's actually a pretty good movie. But I was watching this movie and in the movie, the there's a scene where a man is talking about how he's an introvert. And so that means that he's not good at giving speeches to, to semi-large crowds or he doesn't like giving speeches or it makes him nervous or something like that. And, I'm, and I started yelling at the TV and I'm like, no, that means you have social anxiety. There's a difference between social anxiety, which means a fear of speaking in front of people or being overly concerned about how people will judge you, et cetera, et cetera, being self-conscious in, in the presence of people and just not liking to be around people. Introversion is about where you get your energy from when you're drained. So you've had a long day at work, you're tired, you, you know, you're frustrated. What do you do to pick yourself up, to relax, to get your energy back and to get back to feeling 100%? An extrovert is gonna go out with their friends. They're gonna go out to a restaurant. They're gonna go out to a party. Um, they're gonna get some people to come over to their house to have a party or whatever. That is extroverted. An introvert is going to sit down and read a book. They're gonna watch Netflix. They're gonna play video games. They're gonna do something by themselves. That is introversion. But a lot of people don't use the word in that manner. A lot of people, um, conflate introversion with social anxiety or introvert with being shy. You don't have to be shy to be an introvert and you don't have to be outgoing to be an extrovert. It's just about where you get energy from. 
I'm sorry. I know that was a tangent. It's not really about being, you know, it's really not about conversations and stuff like that. But it's one example of how people use a word and they're using it in a way that's similar enough. Like you're saying I'm an introvert and I'm saying I'm an introvert. But it's so it sounds like we're talking about the same thing, but we're not actually talking about the same thing because your definition of what that means and my definition of what that means are different. I see this a lot when you hear people talk about feminism in the church because some people are talking about what they think feminism is or they're talking about a particular brand of feminism or a particular experience that they've had with feminism. Um, other people are talking about like the literal definition of feminism. Um, and then you have, again, even if you brought in people who identify as feminism, they won't agree on what it is even now if you talk to people there i mean they have these terms and and all this stuff you have quote unquote white feminism and quote unquote black feminism and you have you know radical feminism and uh some feminists include trans people in feminism some do not and then there's like a war between those people right like they don't even know what it means but people talk about it as though it's a very simple concept and everybody has the same definition of it and what it means. And because we have now lived in this uh, post-social media society where we're used to things like, you know, the, the, the memes and the, what is it, 130, 150 character limits, everything is short form media. So we don't have time to go into detail and nuance to flesh out what we mean when we say a particular word or what we mean when we reference a particular ideology and everything gets like shortened into short phrases like pro-life and pro-choice then people make a, an assumption about what it means if someone says they're pro-life or they're pro-choice when people could have a varying amount of ideas on a topic like they may not be squarely pro-choice or squarely pro-life, they may have voted the same as, for instance, pro-life or voted the same as pro-choice, but they may have ideology that's across both camps. But we don't generally stop and think about that. And that leads to a lot of miscommunication. It leads to a lot of arguments. And to be honest, it leads to a lot of ignorance. And I personally think that that is also what is being talked about here in Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel. The biggest problem that God had with these people is that they were coming together to do something that was against God. And it was easy for them to do that because they were on one accord. They had one language and they were of one mind to do this evil thing. And as our society moves, closer and closer to the end of time and as things get progressively crazier um, within our society, I see language falling apart more and more. I see more, more and more of the rift between people is literally just lack of communication or poor communication. Um, and I think that is directly tied to the fact that the most high does not want people coming together under ungodly premises to build up things that are meant to destroy or meant to go against him. That being said, 
I think that when we come together for his purpose, it's a different thing. If you notice, so back in Genesis 11, the people came together to build a tower to basically fight God or to, to stand against God. And he tore down the tower. He tore down their languages. He separated them. He caused division. He made it hard for them to communicate. But if you flip forward into the New Testament, after the sacrifice that Messiah made on the cross and you know the disciples have started to try to spread the word, it's Pentecost, they're up in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they get tongues. They get the gift of being able to communicate with people they ordinarily would not be able to communicate. So I think that as believers, when we're coming together to do for the kingdom and we're coming together to promote unity and to promote godliness, we should be able to get over this hurdle of not being able to understand each other, not being able to communicate. And I don't think that that's limited to distinctly different languages like I speak English and you speak Spanish. I think that's also pertaining to dialect. I think it's pertaining to connotations of words and being able to get to the nitty gritty of what we're saying. I don't necessarily think that it's a magician's trick where we're just going to snap our fingers and suddenly everything everyone says makes perfect sense to us and everything we say makes perfect sense to another person. But I do think that with the fruit of the spirit and with our, uh, with the Holy Spirit, that we will take the time to get into nuances, that we will take the time to be like, hey, you know, like we seem to not be seeing eye to eye. Let's go back and redefine some of the words that we're arguing about, this, these ideas and concepts. Let's see if we're on this, if we're actually on the same page and arguing for no reason, or if we're misunderstanding each other, et cetera, et cetera. Having that patience to go back and actually try to find where the conversation went wrong. I think that's important for us as believers. And there's a lot more that I could say on that. Um, but I think that, I think that's good for this episode. Uh, next week, I think I'll talk some more about examples of how when we start talking about doctrine and things, we get a little, a little crazy and forget about being able to meet and to to understand where each person is coming from. But I'll save that for the next episode. Hopefully it won't take me as long as this one has. And I will see you then. Bye guys.